0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick.
1: Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith. hello. The executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We're joined by Dr. Mark Zumhagen, an IFI board member. Mm-hmm. He's been practicing family medicine since 1986. In 2009, he opened his own private practice in Orland Park called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made.
2: wonder where you got that title.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds biblical, <laughs> Doc. Psalm
3: 139. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why'd you name it that? Because uh, I was practicing holistic health care, and sometimes holistic health care is perceived as having new age roots. So I wanted... Sounds I a little pati- hippie. I particularly wanted the people of faith, the Christian community in particular, to realize that this was a place they could come to, and uh, they didn't have to be concerned about getting into Occultic roots no, and because way.
2: God has made us fearfully and wonderfully, and the the body is so designed to be able to heal
3: that's right that that's the whole principle of the practice is we're we're really trying to uh, you know reactivate the body's own healing ability that God put in there yeah. uh, and 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 just sort of stand back and watch the body do its thing in amazing ways. Wow. Well, let's get to the meaty stuff here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
1: The resurgence of COVID-19, our good friend. (laughs) Uh,
2: Have you missed it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Will it be time to roll up our sleeves and double mask once again? Uh, What are you telling patients?
3: Well, I'm echoing the sentiments of many uh, health practitioners across the United States that it's time to remember what we just went through, remember the inaccuracies that were promulgated during that time, yes. and uh, react a little differently this time. So,
1: well, how should we react?
3: Well, I'm, uh, I, I, I guess we're going to have to take it a step at a time. I, my starting point is always with the Lord and praying for wisdom, um and with humility uh going forward it's, it's always this balance that we we read in his words in Ephesians speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. so i think you know we have to stand on the truth but as christians we say the truth in a way that isn't offensive uh, purposefully anyway and isn't uh divisive um so I think each person is going to have to sort of make their own decisions, but uh, you know, but I, we
2: don't have to make decisions in
3: fear. Correct. We can correct. trust the Lord. Correct. But I uh, just to mention, I have been praying and struggling with this whole concept of what we went through. How did it happen? And actually, having been in practice for thirty-seven years now. It wasn't surprising. I, I, it, it, it I know many practitioners uh, sort of had an awakening experience during COVID to realize that there was a lot of non-science in the in the uh, medical world. Uh, I'd already known that for 37 years. Not say I'm a genius or anything. I just happen to be. I've always been in in holistic, you could say, uh, oriented practices before this practice. I was with Dr. Amir Eisenstein at Home First Health Services, delivering babies at home for 24 years. So you could say I've always sort of seen the the good side of medicine and the dark side. It's always been uh, visible to me. And uh, I think the, the thing that was most surprising about what we went through was just it happened so quickly. I mean, I... We've, I've seen it happening over the years but there was definitely an acceleration yeah. which turned out to be actually th- I think a very good thing because well, it, well,
1: when you say it happened so quickly what are you referring to?
3: I mean uh, the, a lockstep uh, approach, a totalitarian approach across the world of shutdown like um, oh, I'm sorry there's an emergency we have to cancel the Constitution <laughs> uh, right. that, that that was surprising it was, and I think what was was surprising, the, the, the step, the, the extreme step that was taken, and perhaps more surprising, was the universality of it across the globe. Um, yeah, right. And so that caused me, over the last months, to do a deep dive and try to right, go really deep in terms of how did this whole system get set up? Because it's pretty obvious this didn't happen overnight,
2: when you talk about um, um, some of the, your colleagues maybe wakening up or having mm-hmm. an experience, um, would you say a majority of them or less than a majority of them are have come to their senses, you might say? Probably a minority. A minority. Okay. Yes. So we could expect if another one of these totalitarian events happen, another shutdown, many of them will comply without any pushback.
3: I would say so. I will just – I will temper that response with the idea that I am not extremely plugged into the mainstream medical community. (laughs) I'm sort of – I've got my little island island I live in. And I listen to people people like Dr. McCullough, Robert Malone, those voices – Simone Gold, right, who have definitely had quite a a vocal um, response to what's happened and are speaking truth. But uh, you have to – you still won't find them being heavily uh, uh, promoted in the mainstream media. You have to go to alternate media to find them.
2: That's right, uh, which is another disturbing aspect of all this being sh- – you know that th- they're mm-hmm. being shut down by mm-hmm. YouTube and Facebook and mm-hmm. all these prominent platforms. But when you say also how fast it went um, – The the whole idea of a vaccine being approved without doing its rigorous testing, Mm -hmm. without rigorous testing, um, is is alarming, number one. But then now they've just approved a second one. So the precedent has been set, you Mm -hmm. might say. And and are we ignoring all the side effects, the negative aspects of the first vaccine? And now we're just blindly going into, well, we need this second vaccine, so therefore – um. Don't. No questions. Just go. Big pharma says it's okay. Let's go.
3: Yes. <laughs> the simple <laughs> answer is yes. We are doing that, and we've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. We've been doing it for a long time. I mean, many people trace this all back to 1986 with the Child Vaccine Health Act that uh, made the drug companies immune from uh, right. lawsuits. Right. Right. And that was certainly a major, major turning point in the history of of medicine and particularly in vaccines
2: and and now we see um for a long period of time ivermectin am i saying it right? ivermectin okay he, was outlawed right and people said That's you right. can't take this horse yeah. tranquilizer or whatever yeah. it was called dewormer um, but now federal <laughs>
3: drug administration says yeah this could be used to t- 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 treat the virus and, and you understand why that happened no please explain so, it so the uh, emergency authorization use for the vaccine could only be implemented if there were no other treatments. So oh, as huh. soon as there would be any other treatment, whether it be hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, okay. then they estimated. they would have lost their emergency use authorization for the vaccine. So it became critical to oppose any other treatment, treatment. for COVID so that that vaccine could go forward. So the the goal was... To get the vaccine out. Dave, the media never told me that. No, they didn't. No,
2: no. And But did did they ever tell you how much money these uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies are making off of our tax dollars, which are paying for the rollout of this experimental? uh, We can't call it a vaccine, right? Because it's not really a vaccine. Gene therapy. Gene therapy. Mm -hmm. There you go.
3: Yeah, that's what it is.
2: And and the side effects can, can you talk about a little bit of that what are you most concerned about the, some of the side effects that you you have seen
3: Uh well what's out there is uh, blood clots myocarditis yeah. cancer oh. those are the biggies um and, and what about this
1: the new covid shot coming out is it just as questionable as some of the others
3: uh Everything in the vaccine world is a black box. It's all an experiment, and it's an experiment that uh, does, they don't collect data. They don't collect data to find out what's happening. I mean, that's been true for the childhood vaccines as well.
2: They don't report on it
3: not officially or not not not, not conclusively there's the vares system the vaccine adverse event reporting system but it's very haphazard they say it catches maybe between 1 to 10% of the of the actual reactions so we don't have a full picture we we haven't had a full picture for a long long time so this you could say this vaccine was business as usual really but just conducted on a wider scale and a faster timeline, and with a radically different product. So there were enough uh, unique features that it was catching people's attention, particularly when their when their ability to, to move and <laughs> to go where they needed to go. Um, some countries were even much more aggressive than the United States in terms of Limiting people's freedoms, it was like being in a uh, communist totalitarian uh, right. state. Right,
2: you, 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 you get the shot or you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Get your shot or you can't fly. Mm-hmm. Get your shot or you know. mm-hmm.
3: all violations of the Nuremberg Code.
2: Right. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit. I never even heard heard that concern expressed.
3: Well, the Nuremberg Code was, you know, after World War II, right. because of the atrocities that occurred. Uh, in Hitler's prison of war camps. And one of the stipulations was that any new or experimental treatment could not be instituted without full informed consent of the recipient.
2: So we're setting dangerous precedents, rolling out these new experimental drugs, and we're ignoring history.
3: Absolutely. That's that's, that's one of the uh, hallmarks of totalitarian governments, they bury the past. You don't talk about the past. You're always moving forward. And uh, we we desperately need to know the past so we don't repeat it just like yeah. the famous quote. To and we
2: also need to, to understand what's at the root of all this, which is what I want to talk to you yeah. about next. And uh, you desperately, the Lord has laid it on your heart to explain this. But before we take a break, I want to make sure our listeners know that Dr. Zumhagen is going to be speaking on October 14th at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, which will be held at the Tinley Park Convention Center in Tinley Park. So you can just Google that, Trinity Health Freedom Expo, and look up Dr. Zumhagen. It's a two-day event, October 14th and 15th. Dr. Mark Zumhagen will be speaking on the 14th, and he will be um, probably fleshing this out a lot more
3: Yes, in your presentation. I'll be talking about things we haven't talked about yet, but... We yeah. will be getting to And
2: them. the title of your speech is Dividing Truth, How We Lost Our Medical Freedom, and How We Can Get It Back. I'm going to be there. All right.
3: I'll be honored to have you there, David.
1: i want to talk about how we can get it back right after this.
2: Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. Nice segue. All right.
1: Uh, this is Illinois Family Spotlight. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Zumhagen right after
0: this. With a woman, to look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stonestreet with The Point. In a recent article at The Guardian, theater director Abby Wright described talking with 10,000 children and teenagers about the impact of pornography on their lives. She was careful not to tell young children more than they knew, asking them only, what is bad about the internet? And she was shocked just how many described pornography, finding them. Children as young as six told of pop-ups and ads placed in otherwise innocent content. Some were shown porn by friends or siblings. Yet many parents remain naive about what kids are seeing. One teenager offered this reality check. "Quote, If you put a phone in a child's hand, you're putting porn in a child's hand. Well, there's more to the fight for the souls of our kids than just keeping phones and tablets away from unsupervised children. But let's be clear, there is not less than that. The average age of porn exposure is 12. The availability of Internet browsing devices is the most reliable predictor a child will be exposed. So don't take the risk. It's not worth it. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street.
1: Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, along with David Smith. I'm still here. He's the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action. We're joined by Dr. Mark Zumhagen, IFI board member. Uh, Been practicing family medicine since 1986. He uh, opened his practice, private practice in Orland Park, called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made back in 2009 you're speaking at a big conference uh, october 14th right and That's one right. of you, one of the topics in tinley park w- where can folks get more information about that how do, how, do, how if they want to go- just
2: google trinity health freedom expo
1: okay yeah. and you're, one of the things you're going to be talking about and i know you can't go into a lot of details but you can go deeper at that conference uh, how do we get back our
3: medical freedom. Yeah. Well, what are a couple things I can do? Well, yeah. actually, I'm going to uh, close the podcast with my action plan, <laughs> uh, but I'll give you a, a bit of a clue. Um, I am finding, you know, we we get uh, distressed because we see bad things happening, and there's a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of inaccuracies uh but i found that it was necessary to go back to history and bo- go back to the foundation of even how is our scientific and medical system even set up mm-hmm. and uh, a, a big clue is uh that i'm trying to to uh, i i came to a uh, profound realization myself and i'm sure other people have realized it um Atheism is not neutral, and we have created an atheistic medical system, an atheistic scientific system, an atheistic political system, an atheistic educational system, <laughs> yeah, an atheistic legal system, mm. and we are reaping the consequences of that. Wow. My remedy is you've got to put God back into all of those institutions. Absolutely. One way you can do it in science— one simple idea, you're made in the image of God. If we as a medical community could have that as our principle, you are made in the image of God, it influences all of our decisions. So
2: first do no harm because you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image.
3: Right. Even Hippocrates, who is a pagan, mm. got it mostly right. First do no harm. <laughs> but you, to really fully understand that, the reason you do no harm, there's a reason behind that. The reason is because you're made in the image of God. Amen. Right. So the Christian viewpoint, it does Hippo- Hippocrates one better? Yeah, it does. How mm. do you put God in your practice? Uh, well, again, because, uh, well, I pray with people. Yes, you it's do. That's one way. <laughs> That's right. Um, but... This goes into a little bit of the philosophy of medicine, um, but I practice what might be called vitalistic medicine, which means I recognize that God put a significant amount of healing ability into your body. My job is to, to with whatever means I can employ, to figure out where's your body stuck. And I'm not really so much micromanaging your problems as I am what is the general way we can get your body working better? It's usually through a natural means, usually through nutrition, uh, supplementation, lifestyle changes. In traditional medicine, we practice more of a mechanistic viewpoint, which is your body is a machine. And Mm. That part is broken, okay, we'll fix that. It's always typically with a pharmaceutical, although if the pharmaceuticals don't work out, we have surgery to fall back on. But um, it's very very tunnel vision. It's tunnel vision both because it sees your body as a machine and because its main tool, and this all has to do with some economic interests that come into play, is a pharmaceutical uh, remedy. And that's the limit of what you can do for And people. these
2: pharmaceuticals really just treat the symptom and not the root cause, right?
3: That that is part of the problem. They're not really again, with this other idea, it's not really restoring the the energy that God put into your body. Yeah. It's it's merely Putting a patch here, I'm putting a patch there.
2: Well, I have to tell you, you know, you watch a football game, you watch a baseball game, you inevitably get hit with these commercials from pharmaceuticals, and of course, by law, they are required to disclaim uh, the side effects or some of the potential negative. And well, I sit there and say, why would anybody take that drug?
3: <laughs> okay, have you noticed? So there's there's a problem there. We're yeah. one of one. I I'm sorry, my I don't have all the data, but I know that we are one of the few countries that allows the pharmaceutical companies in. Yeah. When I was growing up, that was not the case. No, right. Um, Have you ever thought of this? You hear about 20 different side effects, said in a low, fast voice, after any pill. Have you heard any of that after a vaccine? No. Why? Hmm. I know you're supposed to ask you me know that. <laughs> you could ask me yeah. that. Why? <laughs> why? I'm setting you up for that. Um, He's <laughs> good at this. Yeah, yeah. He can run his own interview. <laughs> because, so the, the why is exactly one of the root problems. Vaccinology is, although we say, oh, it's, it's a part of medicine, it's a unique part of medicine. And it's you could say the part that is the most in violation of a creational viewpoint. Mm. Why is that? Because most of the time, you go to the doctor because you're not feeling well. And you got something wrong. So here's, I'm here to help you. And you what do you got to treat this? What do you got to treat this? Yeah. Vaccines are, you come to the doctor you're probably feeling just fine, but now we're going to make you better. (laughs) And if you really do believe... You really
2: don't want to catch this, so here, let's give you a shot.
3: Yeah, if you do really believe that God created the body, 50 trillion cells, 50,000 chemical reactions per second, Mm -hmm. per cell operating in that capacity, you have to have at least an element of caution at least an element of caution, that am I possibly creating a problem where there was no problem to begin with? Yep. Vaccinology, I will just say, is a religion.
2: Oh, wow.
3: And it's, it's practiced with a religious fervor. And that's why you do not hear the side effects, because there, there's already a belief that this is so safe and effective, we don't even need to look at it anymore. This is just... And we don't... And there's a concern, since you might not be coming to us, because unlike when you come to the doctor when you're feeling well, you're feeling fine. Why are you going to go to the doctor? Or why are you going to go to Walgreens and get your vaccine? I'm feeling fine. The point I wanted to make was the, the vaccines are given to a well person. And very often, a well person does not come to the doctor. So there has to be uh, a motivation to get you there. And one of the concerns that's been expressed in the medical community is this whole idea of vaccine hesitancy. Mm. Uh, We don't want to do anything that would make you reluctant to come in. And so basically... We know that these really work. We know this this is in your best interest. You might not be smart enough to appropriately analyze the data. And if we put out some negative stuff, we know that negative stuff isn't that important. It's really not critical. You might become hesitant. So we don't want to really tell you that stuff Mm -hmm. because uh, it might dissuade you from... But did,
2: did okay? So the devil overreaches all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Did the COVID nineteen reaction overreach? Because I think there's going to be a whole new group of people who now mm-hmm. are double guessing or double uh, questioning, um, who are now cynical of big med, big pharma, big phar- whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, big mm-hmm. government. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, I think. The cynicism has grown. Have you? Do, what do you think?
3: Hundred percent. It's the old. I'm sure you've heard the analogy a, a few hundred times about the frog in the pot, yeah, right? Yeah. You turn up the water slowly, he boils to death. You turn it up quickly, he jumps out. And um, okay, there you go. So they, there it was it, it. It went too fast, no question about it. And I see it as uh, God's mercy on yeah. us because. Uh, he's like waking us up to <laughs> to reality here. So. You, you you talk about
1: vaccinology is that and you've heard this question before. Well, what about the polio vaccine and the measles and the mumps vaccines? They have a proven history of
3: effectiveness. Mm-hmm. True false what what
1: what do you, what's your take?
3: Uh, these issues are always very very complex. There is a complexity in data gathering. I mean, here, here's, here's a simple, let's look at measles vaccine. So measles vaccine, uh, we used to have 5 million cases of measles a year in this country. The birth rate for children was 5 million a year, which meant Every child in the country got measles. <laughs> when the measles shot came out in the 60s, many doctors questioned. They said, is this necessary? Well, is this necessary? Measles is essentially a harmless disease. Wasn't really any much more severe than chickenpox. And many doctors said, okay, I can understand polio. Polio, yeah, nobody wants polio. Got it. But why are we like going after something that isn't really causing a problem? Right. What, what's going on? Well, they said, don't worry. We've got this figured out. In approximately two years, we will wipe out measles from the face of the planet, just like smallpox has been eradicated And we won't have to worry about it anymore. All we need is about a fifty percent vaccine uh, compliance rate. Yep, we'll have herd immunity. We'll get handled. Here we are, sixty years later. Nowhere close to having eradicated measles, and if 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 I can be a bold prophet, we will never eradicate measles because it 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 transfers different from smallpox. It's too contagious. You can't keep it down, and the vaccine has a high enough failure rate that you can't um, you can't um, uh, keep up keep up with it. I mean, it's not effective enough to eradicate the disease. But here's the problem, and and pointed out this problem: we had a good system going. Moms already had immunity to measles as an adult; they breastfed their children. They passed on immunity for the first six months of life through breast milk. Children were per- protected in the first six months of life when they're more vulnerable. If you, if the preference is you don't want to get measles in your first six, six weeks, six months of life, if possible. Um, and uh, now that we give the vaccine at about one year of life uh, and the vaccine fails a certain amount of time, uh, we have lost uh, some herd immunity. And there are women now that don't pass on immunity to the babies. Wow. Uh, so now we have a, a population- Because we are using sil- our artificial milk? Is that- well, not, not only that, yes, that's part of the problem, but the other problem is the vaccine fails. So you have women that aren't immune to the, uh, to the disease, and even if they're breastfeeding, they can't pass on to the immunity. So now you've made a vulnerable popu- a population that was protected vulnerable. Here's another vulnerable population people my age, people your age. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to get measles either. Because as as a child, it's a relatively innocuous disease. The older you are when you get it, it has more side effects, more complication, more risk for uh, ending up in the hospital or in severe cases, death. Um, And now we have an older population that also has vaccines wearing off. I still remember in the 90s. So when I started practice, the measles vaccine was given at 15 months of life, one shot. All of a sudden, in the 90s, we got kids in high school that were getting measles. They were all vaccinated. The shot wore off. They said, oh, my goodness, it's wearing off. We need a booster. We need a booster. And now it looks we like Fauci. We, we might need uh, a third booster. And we might need a fourth. You know, we, we don't know yet. We are about to find out where this experiment ends. Because you know when the experiment ends? When we all die when the greatest generation uh, dies because they're the ones that truly have natural immunity because everybody before 1960 has natural immunity that they got from actually getting the measles but we are about to lose a lot of the herd immunity it will expose how effective is this vaccine Did you have
2: my uh, measles money when you were I a kid
3: what they called german measles oh that's uh three-day measles that's a rubella yeah You had to be born about uh, 1950, 52 to to have had the measles. So if you're a bit younger than that, you may have had to get the shot. You got the shot in about 63, 64, 65. But all all that is just to say is this is a complex arena because immunity, it's not just a simple, you know, knee-jerk response. Oh, disease vaccine we will wipe out the disease there's always this problem of vaccine failure and i even haven't even mentioned the the other concern that's not even investigated at this point which is are there side effects right are there side effects we're just talking about effectiveness right now are there side effects are does this create an autoimmune process in your body Um, to make you
2: vulnerable to other things
3: Yes, autoimmune disease, uh, MS, uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Crohn's disease, uh, yes. asthma, cancers, um, and we're not looking. Yeah, we're not looking.
1: You know, I, I had a, my yearly checkup with a doctor. They call it my Medicare checkup. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, I said, if, if I get this uh, vaccine, this COVID vaccine, am I going to get a heart attack? Mm-hmm. And he was not uh, convincing convincing <laughs> to me right so what what was his answer he said uh, chances are no <laughs> especially for a guy my age i'll be 67 here soon. what do you
2: got to lose money just yeah. roll the dice yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah no i uh yeah I, and you probably if if your doctor's on his toes He also recommended the new RSV vaccine for anybody over 65, which is also an mRNA vaccine, one of the new Uh, generation. Um, That's the big thing now, this RSV. He probably should have told you to get a um, shingles shingles vaccine, uh, the pneumococcal 23, which replaced the pneumococcal 7. So... (laughs) He didn't re- recommend hormone therapy, though. No, that's
2: good.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. good. You, you it's too have late l- for you, Mark. You don't have low T. That would be
3: another right? area to work on there.
2: So, so Mark, there's there's got to be more to it than just the pharmaceutical companies making money. And you alluded to that earlier when you said we're devoid of God. It's right. atheistic, right? right? And so I want to talk to you more about that aspect of all of it and then get to your four-step action plan. However, we're running out of time for this podcast, wow. and we need to do a part two with Mark Zumhagen. Um, so we need to leave a, a good cliffhanger so people come back next week. Um, Mark, you've got a book over here next to you by Rod Dreher, Live Not By Lies. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite verse in the Bible is twenty uh, Proverbs 23, 23, Buy the truth and sell it not. Mm-hmm. Right? And, of course... Who is the truth, the way, and the light? Life. Life. That's right. The <laughs> life. Life. Not light. Well, he is the light. He is, he is, the, is light the son too. of God. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> He's all of those things. That's Jesus right. Christ. That's Absolutely. right. He, he
2: actually blinded Saul on the way to Damascus. So anyway, um, because he was so bright. Brighter than the sun, as scripture yeah. says. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: Oh, you've got this event coming up. Yes. October 14th. 14th yeah.
2: Trinity Health Freedom Expo. Right. Google it. Get there if you can. Yeah.
1: Dr. Zumhagen is such an interesting fellow. Yes. And if you want to really dig deeper in yes. some of these topics, I, I would suggest you get there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll continue this conversation in part two with Dr. Zumhagen next week. Lord willing. Lord willing. That's right.
1: Right. Uh, well, thank you folks for tuning in. We have a big banquet coming up yes. Friday, November 3rd at the Brook Golf Club. Our keynote speaker, Eric Metaxas, the renowned author and uh, nationally syndicated radio host. Yep. Uh, he'll have something to say about his latest book. Uh, and he's got a tremendous wit. Letter to the American Church. Yes. I would think he might have something to say about Big It'll Pharma. be serious,
2: but you'll you'll be also chuckling uh, yes. throughout the night.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting fellow. We yep. will be serving chicken. And <laughs> fully cooked yes and so uh, there you go if you'd like to attend uh, give us a call at, that's 708-781-9328 you can go online at illinoisfamily.org click events and don't uh, wait too long because yeah. the
2: tickets are going fast
1: they're going fast yep all right well uh, thank you folks for tuning in please tell your family and friends about illinois family spotlight be sure to stay tuned for part two with Dr. Mark Zumhigin coming up. All right. Thanks. God bless.
0: For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback@ifiaction.org. at